You know, I, I got to thinking about this. If you just take a look at your hands for a moment. I want you to think about all the history that's wound up in your hands. Don't go negative now. I want you to think about all the miracles that are in your hands. You know, it's pretty amazing that Jesus went out of his way to put his hands on the sick. Even those who were leprous, who was against the law, the biblical law, the the Old Testament law of doing so, that you weren't supposed to touch a leper, and he did. And you see, the miracles that God wants to do are in your hands. You know, every time I've seen a miracle, it's really been through the agency of someone who spoke that which did not exist into existence. That is, healing was spoken into existence. Gifts of all kinds spoken into existence by the hands of another. Today, I wanna talk to you about that. The miracle is in your hands. Don't be looking for tires to drop from heaven if you need new tires. That's not how it works. But look to your hands and see what God can do through what you have and what others have in the kingdom of God. We've really been focused in on Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 now for about six weeks because we really believe that if your faith is gonna grow, it's gonna grow because of the word of God. Look at this scripture. You probably know it by heart by now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you don't increase your faith because you wish you had more faith. I hear people say all the time, I wish I had more faith. And I give them the same answer every time. I said, read the word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the what? The word of God. So I don't get more faith because I was just born with more faith. I get more faith because I read the word of God. I don't get more faith because I hang around people with faith. I get more faith because of the word of the living God. The book of of Amos says this in chapter eight. It's an amazing scripture because it says, behold, the days are coming. Now, whenever it says that, it's looking down to the end of the age toward that, that period of time I believe we're in and moving forward into the end of the age. It says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. See, he said there's gonna come a time at which people are gonna stop reading the word of God. They're gonna stop pursuing the word of God. They're gonna neglect the word of God. We can see that in our own lives, can't we? We can see it in people around us where there's less emphasis on the word of God. And notice what else he says. He makes another commentary because there's gonna come a point at which people are gonna want the word of God and not be able to find or get or understand the word of God. He says, they will wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. It's hard to believe that you could imagine a world where the word of God was not present. And yet right now, about 90% of all the Bibles that are printed are printed in China. Now think about that. 
There's not one Christian that owns a Bible publishing house in the world that I know of, unless it's small and unknown. So you see how these things can happen. The Chinese have already announced that they are going to change the Chinese version of the Bible, and they're going to make it communist-friendly. Now, think about the seriousness of that. That means that every generation coming forward, if they don't have a copy of the Word of God, will be unable to read it themselves, thus fulfilling this very scripture. They will run to and fro. They will seek the Word of God. But it will be a famine in the land for hearing the Word of God. You see, because just because it says Bible on it doesn't mean in the days ahead it's going to be a Bible. And so we have to understand that now is the time to dig deep to increase your faith, increase your knowledge, increase your understanding of the word of the living God. Amen? Amen. Now, when we start talking about miracles are in your hands, and so what we've tried to do with this introduction of always giving you Romans 10 is we want to bathe you in the word of God. We're going to give you as much of the Bible today as we can. In other words, we're going to give you a lot of scriptures because I really believe that many of you are not reading a lot of scriptures during the week. Now, I don't, I'm not looking for a show of hands. I'm just saying, I'm at least gonna give you a healthy dose today so you got the word of God in you, amen? And maybe it'll just kinda ignite an appetite in you to say, I want more of the word of God in my life. I wanna read the word of God. I wanna be a more of a part of it. So kingdom multiplication is in your hands. Whenever God speaks in the word of God, he speaks in terms of, not addition as much as multiplication. He likes to see things multiply in our life. We like to th see things multiply in our life unless it's bad news, amen? Now, let me show you how this principle is set up in Genesis chapter one and verse 26 through 28. Now, this is taking us back to the original creation. Now, the reason I believe this is so important is because one of the things that's going to happen, the Bible says in the tribulation period, is there's going to be a, an angel that will circle the earth giving out the everlasting gospel and the message of God as the creator God. You see, because people are moving away from, as a society, from the idea of a creator God, that we're creating the image of God. God created Adam and Eve. He created two genders. He didn't create 114. Too complicated. Now, why is this important? Because if you're not made in the image of God, then you're just a product of evolution. You're just a biological blob on planet Earth that's going to live and die and be forgotten about. But if you're created in the image of the living God, there's something unique about you in so many ways, and it gives you your complete identity. Without that understanding of a creator God, you don't have identity. You're finding, you're trying to find identity. That's why all these people are just wandering like blind men in a black room that doesn't exist. It says this, God said, let us make man in our image. The us is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the divine trinity of God. He said, we're gonna make man in our image. And that is not a physical image, that is a spiritual image that takes on human flesh 
And by the way, we will give up this human flesh one day and we'll take on what the Bible says, an eternal flesh. That is something new and perfect in eternity. He says, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So here's what God was saying. I'm going to make my people, created in my image, I'm gonna put them in control of everything on planet earth. And I'm gonna expect them, and I'm gonna empower them to do the work of the kingdom. If they neglect that, then the work is going to fail but I'm going to empower you to do that very work. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, and there it is. And what? Multiply. Do you realize he gave that same commission to all, for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, same commission to Noah. He gives us the same commission as well that we're supposed to have dominion, that is, we're supposed to have some authority, some oversight, and some power on planet Earth so that we can carry out the mission that God gave us to carry out. And he said, I want you in the process to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth, and notice, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here we see the idea of dominion. Here we see the idea of authority. Now, in Luke chapter 9, let me set up the story. Jesus has just finished uh, doing some miracles, and he's weary, and so he takes his disciples aside. He says, let's go to a quiet place, a secluded place. This is in verses 10 and 11 of this chapter, chapter 9. He says, we're going to go there, but it says the people found him. You see, I really believe that people who are hungry for Jesus will find Jesus. Isn't that a, isn't that a great truth? There's just something. We're just like, it's, there's like a, a heavenly magnet that just draws us into God. When you're looking for God, God, you're going to find God. People say, well, how, people, how do the aborigine find God? God draws them in. They're, they're hungry, hungry for God. I was preaching down in Brazil years ago. And uh, we went into a, a tribe, the Iguazu tribe in, in Brazil, outside of uh, Brazilian city there. And uh, supposedly, there was only, they'd only seen a handful of white people in their life. And I was pretty white. <laughs> and my interpreter was preaching. And uh, as he was preaching, uh, the, the chief stopped and he said, Uh, He wanted to talk, and so right in the middle of my sermon, I get a pause. I get a commercial break from the chief, and he had, and all of his glory, all of his feathers, and everything else. I mean, he looked good, right? Amen. And uh, so we sat down, and the interpreter was saying, he said, "This is the book." I had my Bible. He said, "This is the book." My grandfather said one day a man with a book would come, and that we should believe his message, and the entire tribe got saved that day. See, that's the idea of multiplication. God works in a way that you can't understand. And it says here that Jesus gathered these, uh, these disciples and all of a sudden the people began to find him. And next thing you know, he's assembled 5,000 people. And he's preaching and the day is getting long and the day is getting hot. The disciples are thinking, you know what? We, we've got to get out of here because everybody's getting hungry and they're going to expect us to feed them. That's really what happened. We do the same thing. 
Let's move them out before they want food. (laughs) But when the day began to wear away, verse 12, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go to the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. Huh. And he said to them, you give them something to eat. Remember, the miracles are in your hands. He didn't say, oh, let me take care of that problem for you. You give them something to eat. You ever seen someone hungry? Oh, God, I just pray you'll bless them. No, you bless them. You ever seen anybody in need? God bless, no, you bless them. The miracles are in your hands. You have the authority, the dominion, the power creating the image of God to do the miraculous in their life. He says, you give them something to eat, and they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there was about 5,000 men. Now, here's the dilemma. We're willing to do that, Jesus, but we just want, we just done an inventory. We got two fish, we got five loaves and two fish. Well, there's a problem. If the miracles are in my hand and all I have is five loaves and two fish and I've got 5,000 people, how do I solve that problem? Today I'm gonna give you some insight into this very thing that I really believe if you'll just, if you'll let your spirit receive it, you're gonna see something new and fresh that's gonna change your life. Now that's a big statement, right? That's a really big statement. But as I was studying this passage, God said this is a key to the kingdom, And people operate outside of the kingdom. They try to operate by the worldly system of accounting and processing and everything else. And they may or may not be successful in that process, but they're not seeing the evidence of the kingdom in their life. And so what we do sometimes, we pull back away from God because we don't see how God's working or why God's working or when is God working. And we miss out on what God is doing. There's a parable it's, uh, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus is doing parables and, and it's so shocking to the disciples. They say, why do you speak to them in parables? Because up to that point, he had never spoken in parables. And he looked at him, he said, because it is for, given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, but it's not for them. Do you realize there's some people that will understand the mysteries of the kingdom and some that won't? Some people will see it and others won't. They can be sitting side by side in the same room, hear the same message and not receive it because their spirit is not sensitive to what God is doing and saying in that moment. So I would just ask you right now, God, make my spirit, just pray this prayer, God, make my spirit sensitive and understanding and let the Holy Spirit of God teach me because ultimately it's not me as your teacher. I'm just the human vessel, but it's the word of God that will teach you and bring to remembrance all that Jesus spoke and he will give you those mysteries of the kingdom of God. And that's what we want, amen? Now, uh, I just wanna give you a report because you guys have been so faithful. Uh, About three weeks ago, we just said, hey, we need $103,000 to fill the house, and I want you to know about 85 of that has come in, so we're only about 18 short. So if God moves your heart, just give. But uh, we're doing Kids Camp Youth, Mexico House, Serve the City, and uh, God is blessing in such a great way. So that's just a shameless plug for your giving. Is that fair enough? All right, now, let's go back to our story. Because all of a sudden, the disciples are going, you know what, we don't know what to do. Have you ever been there? 
You ever had where, where the resources were short and you said to yourself or to your friend, I don't know what to do. It's a very human response, very common response. It's one that I've, I, I venture to say everyone in this room has said at one time or another in their life. Maybe you've said it daily for the last year. But I want you to know that, that's, that God is sensitive to that. God knows that, and God has a solution that he wants to bring into your life. And that is you have to bless before you multiply. And I got to thinking about things that we do. We, we, we bless the food we're getting ready to eat. That's backwards. According to the kingdom principle, I'm gonna show you. You bless what you have in order to multiply for your future. Don't miss this. This is more profound than you think it is. And Jesus illustrates it in this story. Let me take you back to Luke chapter nine, verse 14 and 17, then we'll make more comment on it. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Now can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? You know, they probably wouldn't put it in these terms where they're going like, I don't think he's got a clue what's happening here. We got five loaves, two fish, and we're gonna set people down in groups of 50, and somebody gonna get fish and somebody not. <laughs> right, amen, that's just how this thing works. And it says, and they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves, the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. Now, okay, now so now imagine this. He, he holds up the, the fish and the loaves, and he blesses what he has in order to get what he doesn't. Instead of asking what he doesn't for what he doesn't have to be increased. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. When you bless what you have and ask for multiplication on it, you're operating in the kingdom principle. Some of you are going, huh? What did he just say? I think I got that, but I'm gonna watch this one again. You bless what you have and ask God to multiply it so that you can have what you do not have. Because faith is saying it's so when it's not so in order for it to be so. Faith is operating in the invisible in order to see the tangible. Faith is calling heaven on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is being done in heaven. In other words, you bring heaven to earth. That has always been God's plan. He broke them and he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. He gave them what? He gave them back the five loaves and the two fishes. But now they've been blessed. Now can you imagine what's going through their mind now? Well that did a lot of good. Maybe a little bit longer prayer, maybe a little bit louder. Maybe a little tongue speaking, something. We need something in this thing here, Jesus. This thing is not producing. We still got five loaves and two fishes. But the difference is you have five loaves and two fishes that have been blessed. Before, you had five loaves and two fishes that were unblessed. Are you with me on this? All right, you look like you are. So they all ate and were filled, and the 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. You go, huh, what, what happened? So as they begin to break the bread, it multiplied in the hands of the disciples. 
It wasn't like Jesus prayed that and all of a sudden stacks of, of, of bread and stacks of fishes were there and they go, oh, this makes sense. What did he say? You feed them. The miracles of God are in your hands. This is good. I don't know. Some of you just act an awful white right now. And I know because I is. Amen? But you gotta let your emotions catch up with your spirit here. Amen? And let's just give God the glory. So God wants to take what you have in your hands. He wants to multiply it, but he's not gonna just drop things out of heaven and go, wow, shazam, look at this. I just ran into a stack full of fish. Amazing. I've never seen that happen. But I've seen God work through people's hands. And it says, and they all ate. Now imagine this. You got 5,000 people. They've all eaten. They've all had bread or fish. I'd go with the bread. I don't like fish. You know, maybe, Jesus, how about something with a hoof? Anybody knows me, I don't eat fish. I don't eat things that crawl on the bottom of the ocean either. I just don't eat those things. I don't believe they're right. But that's me. But they all ate and were filled. So, so all of a sudden, five loaves, two fishes became enough to feed 5,000 people until they were full. But it gets even better. And 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, whenever you see numbers in Scripture, pause long enough to see, is there significance in this? So we're going to do a little Bible quiz here. How many disciples were there? That's very good, class. (laughs) Twelve. How many baskets of leftovers were there? I think he sent each disciple home, each apostle home, with a basket of leftovers as a reminder of how the kingdom of God works. See, they gave what they had, five loaves, two fishes. That's seven. Isn't that interesting? Seven is a divine number. They gave everything they had. Are you with me? They gave everything to Jesus first. When you give everything to God, he can multiply it. When you hold back and say, well, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, or you say something, well, I used to do that, used to do that, used to do that. You, you can't see the, the miraculous of the kingdom. You might still prosper on planet Earth, but you're not prospering in the eternal kingdom. And you get to choose. Jesus allows us to choose how we're going to prosper into the future, whether it's on Earth or in heaven. I came across this scripture. I think it's so brilliant how God puts things together but it's over in the book of Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. I encourage you to mark this in your Bible and put the cross-reference into Luke chapter nine so that you can, it'll jog your memory and go, oh, this is that. Look what it says. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. What did he just say? He just said, I'm God, I'm gonna show you how to profit. You know what profit is? That's more than you had before. How's that? Is that a simple way to think about profit? Loss is less than you had before. He said, I'm gonna show you how to have more than you had before. 
And I begin to see this link because I'm going to take you back to that scripture I gave you earlier, Matthew 13, where the disciples, he's talking to him, and he says, it's, not, it's given unto you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, but unto them it's not. And when you begin to understand that when you bless what you have, God can multiply it, and God can show you how to profit. And if I were you, I would sit down and say, take this scripture and take all what we've done today, but take this scripture in particular and say, God, will you show me how to profit? Because you see, if you're living with an extra in a margin, then now you're in your hands, you can do something. Are you with me? Let me ask you a question. How much ministry can you do for $1,000? About $1,000. Well, you say, well, that's kind of dumb. Not really, because some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know, you could buy some Bibles. And... But you see, how much can you do with what you have in your own household and in the household of God if you have profit? I believe God wants to open up our hearts and our minds to see things like we've never seen before in order that we might prosper like we've never prospered before. And it's never, prosperity is always with a purpose. It's always to advance the kingdom. Your prosperity is not for you to grow rich. It's for you to bless the work of the kingdom and to take care of your family in the process. You see, the power of God is in the release. There would have been no 5,000 fed had the disciples not given up Five loaves and two fishes. They said, well, you know, look, we're hungry too. Let's just be honest, Jesus. You know, there's, we don't really know those people and we're, we're hungry. We're hungry. I mean, you're looking at me like you're spiritual. I know you think this way too. I'm hungry. Forget that guy. What about me? It's the same way that we approach missions when we say, well, you know what, let's take care of everybody at home. Well, are you? I've left preaching and I start meddling. Are you doing what you say should be done? Remember Judas Iscariot? When When the oil was broken, his feet were anointed with the hair of Mary, remember this? And Judas said, that money should have been given to the poor. Well, I don't know why we're doing that. We could give that money to the poor. Are you? It goes on to say that Judas said that because he kept the treasury and he was stealing from the treasury of the disciples. Never quote Judas Iscariot as your wisdom of the day. Huh? Well, how much can be given the poor? Oh, thank you, Judas. Some of you are going like, I wish I wouldn't have come today. (laughs) Darn it. Okay, now watch this. Multiply in eternity from earth. See, if all you do is have a good life and prosper here on planet earth, have a lot of fun, then you only got half the equation finished. The other half is eternity. They're both important. I'm not trying to diminish here and now. I'm just trying to say they're both important, and you have to operate like like a set of train tracks. You have to say both these things are important. How do I 
take care of my needs, take care of my family, how do I prosper on planet Earth and lay up kingdom treasures for eternity? Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. So it's not enough to hear the word of God, right? You gotta do what? You gotta do them. Say that, do them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. That's the way you want to figure out your life, right? How do I get my life, my future, everything I have on a solid foundation? Because if it's not solid, the cracks in the foundation are going to come, and the house is going to falter. So you have to look at your, ha- your life like a house and say, how's my foundation doing? But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. So, you know, a simple like Q&A you can do with yourself is, is my house on a rock or on sand or something in between? Luke chapter 12, he spoke a parable of them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Can you imagine this problem? I've run, I've, got, I've gotten so wealthy, so successful that I've got to get another barn. I gotta store up my grain. You see, and the, the, the kind of the obvious message in this, he probably didn't need that much. He could sell it, but he said, no, I, I don't even wanna sell it now, I just wanna store it. I wanna, I want, it's for me. My grain is for me. And he thought within himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones And there I will store all my crops and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That's pretty much a philosophy of life, isn't it? Let me take care of me. Let me get as much of me as I can, right? And I'm just, I'm set for life. Set for life. You know, I've been in ministry long enough to, to know how untrue that philosophy works. Because I've been in the, in the dark moments with people who've lost everything. People who thought they, their life, everything was set out in a map for them. And in an instant, something changed. Fill in the gap, whatever that instant is. Whether, whether it was a loss of job, whether it was a, a bad business decision, whether it was a disease, they just in an instant. Helen Keller once said that Uh, that security does not exist among men. People said, well, don't don't you feel insecure without seeing? She said, no, it doesn't exist anyway. If you can see. She said, "I I would rather have vision than see. But here's what God said, fool. This night your soul will be required of you. You see that, see the transitory nature of human life? See how on the edge we stand all the time of not knowing. How long will you live? I don't know. I told my wife I'm gonna live to be 121. She said, I hope you and your next three wives are happy. (laughs) 
I said, I just want to live long enough to where my pallbearers, who are my sons, will be 90. But how long will you live? I don't know. Maybe I've got a year. Maybe I've got 30 years, 40 years, 50. I don't know. But here's what it says. This night your soul will be required of you. You see, it is destined unto all men to die once and then the judgment. So I die, I don't get a second chance at life. I die, I stand before God and he evaluates my life. How, you do, how did you do with what I gave you? Then whose will those things be which you have provided? You see, we, don't, we can't hold on to anything, can we really? In fact, we've been teaching that what you, what you really gain is when you release. You have a friendship, a relationship, you've got to release it unto God in order to hold on to it. You can't hold anything. You can't make any. Can you make somebody love you? No. You release love, and they release in return. And it says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, the thing I love about Jesus was he didn't pull any punches, did he? I mean, I know there's a lot of teaching that goes on where it's just kind of everything feels good and warm and fuzzy, but that was never Jesus' style. Never. And he just kind of he just kind of got under your skin with your complacency or your status quo. And I don't know about you, but I need that in my life. I need to go, oh, that, wow, that's scripture. I got to think about that one. I got to apply that one to my life. I got to do this, got to do that. And that's what God, so I want you to do this today. I, I want you to, to, to stand with me and I'm gonna, I wanna ask you a question with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, okay? I want you to take a look at your life right now and just say, how am I doing? There's no judgment here, nobody asking you that question uh, to s speak it out loud. Just say, how am I doing with you, God? and let the Spirit of God speak to you. Just speak to you. And then ask God, say, God, will you show me what I need to do? So part two, show me, God, what I need to do. It might be something super simple and easy. It might be something very difficult and complex, but just ask God. And now say, God, will you empower me to do that? Will you empower me to do that? Will you show me how I can be a part of your kingdom and bless the work that's going on already that I might see it multiplied in my life? Give God the profit you have now and ask God to multiply that profit. Instead of looking what you don't have, bless what you have and you'll see what you don't have. One of the things that Jesus tells us here is he says we have an eternal soul. We have something that lasts beyond the grave. How's your soul? You see, Jesus said if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. There is the promise of salvation given in Scripture to where our eternal soul can be with God, safe, saved, and set apart. Would you just set your soul apart right now? I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud and you can pray it with me, right out loud with me. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried and you rose from the dead. 
to give me eternal life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life that I might know you and love you all the days of my life. If, those, if that was your prayer, would you just thank him right now in your own words? Just thank him in your own words. God, thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth. Just praise the name of God. Thank God for what you just have and ask him to multiply that life of God in you over and over and over again. Amen.